Welcome everybody to the new year. It's 2021 and I bet you're glad it is because 2020 has been something we could never have imagined. It's also why I wanna invite you next weekend to join me for a brand new sermon series when we answer the question, what in the world is going on? You know, this past year on the internet, one of the most searched terms was end times. People are watching what's happening in our world, what's happening in their lives. And their question is, what is going on? You know, are we at the end? What's the future hold? Well, we're going to look at the words of Jesus about the end times. So you won't want to miss that series. What I want to do this weekend, though, is I, I want to invite you to spend a little bit of time with me talking about where are we going as a church, Wooddale Church, at all of our campuses, where are we going in 2021? Because while we hope for the best, we don't know what's facing us. Like we didn't know what would happen in 2020. And we don't want to be sidetracked by the circumstances around us. We want to live on mission and purpose with God because God never stops working and neither should we. So I want to tell you a story. And I want to draw from this true story a picture of how God sees you and me and how he sees his church. It happened in Thailand not that long ago. It's one of the great rescues in modern history. Twelve boys and their soccer coach had just finished practice, and they decided to go explore a very large cave in the area. Off they went on their adventure. What they didn't realize is that it nearly turned into a horrible tragedy. You see, it was monsoon season in Thailand, and there was a sudden cloudburst that just poured down sheets of rain. Well, that rain collected and rolled down the mountain and hillsides and funneled itself right into that cave. The water grew so deep the boys couldn't get out, and they actually had to go with their coach further and further into the cave to seek high ground to survive. Well, the next thing that happened is that cell phones around the world began to light up. The cell phones of expert cave divers. There's not a lot of them. And they were alerted to this tra unfolding tragedy in Thailand. Many of them packed their bags, got on a plane, and joined the few experts that were living there in Thailand already. Together, for the next four days, working 12 to 14 hours a day, they began to hung very strong, large climbing ropes to the side of the cave, embedding it in the side walls of the cave, down about for four kilometers. Can you imagine? That's a long distance. It took them a long time working in darkness with nothing but their headgear and their scuba gear on. They would surface up in the caverns to see if the kids were there. There is an estimate that maybe 10%, 10% chance these boys, their coach should be rescued. Finally, after working for four days, they surfaced in what is known as cave number nine. And there were all the boys looking gaunt, huddled together with their coach, but smiles on their faces because whew, a rescuer, rescuers had come to save their lives. But that was now going to be a real challenge. How do they get those boys and the coach out of there to the surface again, being underwater almost the whole time? Very few of the boys were able to swim, let alone the fact that none of them had ever worn scuba gear before. How are they going to do this? It was decided that the only way this was going to happen is they would have to sedate each of the boys to unconsciousness, then place an oxygen mask on their face, 
and tie their hands behind them so that if they woke up in transport, they wouldn't thrash and, and drown and perhaps hurt others along the way as well. Fortunately, one of the divers happened to be an anesthesiologist. But when he heard about this, he said he just felt it was too dangerous. So they explored other alternatives and they realized, you know, this is the only way to get the kids out. And so began the process of sedating each boy and getting them out that four kilometers to the surface. Well, 17 days after the whole ordeal began, it ended and all 12 boys were rescued, were fine, their coach was fine as well, and everybody applauded. But it didn't come without a price. You see, one of the divers who'd been shuttling the oxygen tanks in for the boys ran out of oxygen and died. Another rescue person, after the entire rescue was over, died of a blood disease that he contracted during the rescue itself. Those who survived were lauded as heroes, these great divers, but they quickly deflected the attention away from themselves, and they focused it on the 7,000 volunteers who helped do everything from clearing brush to cooking meals for the rescuers. They said they're the heroes, and the boys and their coach are the real heroes. Look how brave they were. One journalist, summing up the whole thing, put it this way. He said, they were lost they were found, and they were rescued. And when I read those words, I thought, that's our story too, isn't it? Each one of us was lost, and then we were found, and then we were rescued. Rescued by our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who delivered us out of the cavern of death caused by sin. And you want to know something? He's invited you and me to join him in this ongoing rescue operation in our world. That's right. You and I, as followers of Christ, are his appointed rescuers. You know, when Christ saves us and comes into our life, he ought to take us home to be with him, right? But he doesn't. He leaves us here, and he doesn't leave us here just to suffer. He doesn't leave us here just to kind of go through life. Listen, he leaves us here to continue on his mission. Why is that? Well, look what the scriptures say. So for instance, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, he, that is God, does not want anyone, anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent of their sins and experience God's amazing grace and forgiveness. And it's on that basis that Jesus gave this commission to we who are his followers in every generation. Matthew chapter 28, it says, Therefore, go, love that word, and do what? Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure this, I love this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we know that these words were given to disciples of all time, including right now, here today, to go and make a difference. You know, one of the things that separates a hero from others is this. Heroes think more about the people they're rescuing than they think about themselves. They're willing to put their lives on the line. That's what Jesus exemplified for us, didn't he? 
our Lord and Savior left his place in glory and took on human flesh and became like us in order to die for us, to die our death so we could live his life. There's a sense when Jesus calls us to come and follow him that we are willing to die to ourselves because we know where we're going. In fact, I've been thinking about myself so differently this past year, and I'm, and I'm glad for it. Rather than seeing myself as being of the world, as a victim in this world of all the things that are happening, I see myself more biblically as one, like Jesus, sent into the world. See, Jesus saved me out of this world, but he doesn't take me home. He sends me back into this world. I'm on mission for him. I'm a rescuer sent by God to rescue people with the good news of the gospel. If you think about it, as Wooddale Church, in all of our campuses and our ministries, we are a huge operation rescue. We are going into this world. None of us know when God may call us home. None of us know when God will say, all right, your task is done. It's time now to be with me. I'm sending other rescuers. So I've been seeing myself and thinking about myself that way. And I'd like to challenge you to do the same thing. Stop seeing yourself as kind of part of the culture, part of the world, meaning, you know, you're a victim and you're having to deal with all this stuff. No, you are sent into this world. You're sent here in the midst of all this stuff, regardless what 2021 brings and beyond, to be God's appointed rescuer, to bring this hope and to bring this good news. That's why we say that our mission as a church, and this is true of us as individuals, is to do this. It is to honor God by making more disciples for Jesus. It's to honor God by making more disciples for Jesus. Quiet moment here. How are you doing with that? You know, we talk about Adopt 7 around here. We said, let's think of at least seven people that we could adopt, spiritually speaking, who may not know Jesus. Let's pray for them. Let's serve them. Let's find a way to share Christ with them. How are you doing with that? In 2021, there are so many that need you to adopt them through friendship, through relationship, because they're there for you and me to rescue and bring into the good news of God's grace and God's love. We also have a vision that we set out in 2015. The short version of our vision simply says that we exist to impart the hope of the gospel here, near, and far. Because Jesus told us to begin in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the outermost parts of the world. And so we have our own little Jerusalem right where our campuses are. Our Judea is the Twin Cities. And our, you know, beyond is the world. And God has given us the privilege for all the years that Wooddale's been around to have a global impact, and we don't want to stop doing that. In fact, in 2015, when we initiated the vision, we said that in the next seven years, by 2022, we would hope that we would have sown the gospel, given it out to 700,000 people. Well, I want to let you know that thus far, we have given the gospel out to an estimated 855,000 people now, that should get a woo-hoo from somebody, all right? That's exciting. So our, our new goal is that by 2022, a million people will have heard about Jesus. And you're part of that. It's because of you, your prayers, your service, your faithfulness, your generous giving, that we can bring this gospel message here, near, and far. 
So as we move into 2021, I want to give you a picture of how we are on mission with God. You know, in Matthew chapter 4, 19, Jesus said to us, he said, come, follow me. Now, it wasn't just to the immediate disciples. This is for all of us. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. You know, from that, we take three important principles of what it means to be a disciple. Principle number one, we are called to, here's the key, we are called to actively follow Jesus. We're to be in motion with him. As one man said it, we're to see where God is working and join him. We're to be active in all of our ways, in all of our energy, seeking to rescue those who need Christ. Number two, we are to be changed by Jesus. You know, our Christmas series, we talked about, you know, changing our ugly thoughts and our ugly words and our ugly motives. Well, God wants to continue that change into this new year. He wants us, he, he wants to change how we think. He wants to change how we speak. He wants to change our actions, our motives. And this is ongoing to stand before God someday. So he wants to not only change us, but he also wants us to be on this mission that we've been talking about, this mission of actually rescuing lives that God places all around us. So let's talk a little bit about 2021, how we're going to continue this. I want to talk about what we're doing far, all right? That is through our worldwide impact. Pastor Richard Payne leads that for us at Wooddale Church. I, I so love working with him and the entire team and all of you. You know, our goal was that by 2022, we plant 4,000 churches in a region of Asia where less than 1% of the people know who Jesus Christ is. I'm happy to tell you that we've already passed the mark of 7,000. Most of those with our TTI partnership, but also with our other global leaders. They've helped us plant an additional 1,600, giving us over 7,000 churches that have been planted so far. You know, our hope and prayer was that by 2022, because they multiply fast, we could see around 12,000. But with COVID, it's kind of slowed things down. We don't know where that will end up, but we're going to press forward and trust God. We've already surpassed that goal. And I want to tell you a story about one of the areas you, by your prayers and by your support, we don't salary any of these pastors with TTI, but we do pay for their education and their ongoing training. I want you to know how God has used what they call themselves as the Wooddale Group. I want you to see how God has used you and is using them to change one life that's representative of so many lives. I want to tell you about a woman. I'm not going to give you her name or tell you where she is, but she had been beaten by her husband for 14 years of their marriage. Imagine that abused. They had four children, and she got to the place where she couldn't take it anymore, and so she ran away to another village to be there with her brother who took her in. Now, this was a village that our Whitdale group was looking at bringing the gospel to and, and planting a church in, so one of our folks went to visit there, and when they did, they shared the gospel with her, and she received Christ. Now, when she went and told her brother that she had accepted Christ, he became so angry that he kicked her out of her house. She begged him, please, I can't go back home. I'll be beaten by my husband. And so he allowed her to stay in this place. And what you see in front of you is a cow shed. Yes, a cow shed 
where the animals are kept. That's it. She would live in there with the animals, with the dung, with the mess, with the mud, with the, all the, I mean, it's hard for us humanly to imagine it. But one of the Timothys who reached out toward her shared how he at one time with his family had been persecuted and had lived in a cow shed for a whole year. So here you see a picture of her standing in front of that cow shed in that dismal situation. But guess what? After being inspired and encouraged by that Timothy's testimony, she found strength and she found hope. Well, this past July, tragedy struck. Two of her sons died of a sudden illness. And then she got news that her husband had also passed away. What a destitute situation. And yet she had a joy in her heart despite all of that. Imagine how most of us would have dealt with it. But knowing that God loved her, that God was in control, she found joy. And so the Timothys, our pastors who had reached out to her, they decided that they needed to go into that village and get her out of that situation and build her a house. So what happened is 45 other villagers came to that village and in three days, they began, as you can see here, to assemble what would become her house. You see another picture of it being laid out in its structure. Other villagers were watching this. They were amazed by it. And they began to join in and help. And they didn't even know who Jesus was. They were, they were amazed at these Christians who were coming and, and rescuing this woman and building her this house. Well, as a result of it, when it was done, a friend of mine and them dedicated the house. As you can see, she's standing there with her two sons. He was such a powerful witness in the village that as soon as this thing was built, four families came to faith in Christ. And they began to baptize those families, as you'll see in these series of pictures here. They're being baptized in the water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Their experience being lost, found, and rescued. Wooddale Church, listen, it is because of your faithfulness to God that stories like this are happening over and over and over again. And so many more stories need to happen. In fact, my friend shared with me just a couple of weeks ago that seven more families have come to faith in Christ. And that house, that house is now a church. It's both a house and a church, and God's doing something tremendous I don't know about you, that gives me goosebumps to think about it, that we get to be part of that. Despite all the craziness of 2020 and, and what may happen in 2021, God is at work. And he's using you when you give generously, when you pray, when you serve, when you share resources. God is blessing in faraway places. You know, it's been estimated now through some technology that there are about 300,000 villages remaining in Nepal and India that don't have a gospel witness. That has really pressed heavy on my heart lately. And I've begun praying, Lord, when we get to 2022 and we've, we finish this first initial vision of hope, God, I would just love to leave a legacy of hope in the next 10 years. And I'd like you to pray about joining me in that as well. How many of those 300,000 villages is God calling Wooddale Church to take responsibility for so that we could say that by the year 2032, 
X many more villages have a gospel witness in them. I've got a number in my mind that I'm praying about and our leaders are gonna begin praying about. Would you pray about it too? Hey folks, we've got a huge rescue opportunity in front of us. You and I are God's rescuers. But let's talk about what God is doing nearby as well because he's doing some powerful things. You know, this past year of 2020 saw a lot of challenges in the Twin Cities. And we were all brought face to face with the ugliness of, of racism. And it has confronted me personally about what are we going to do? What am I going to do to build bridges with our brothers and sisters of color in the Twin Cities? How can we work together instead of being so separated? Because we have to be an example to the world around us that is so divided and so hurting. When the process of understanding this, I met an African-American leader, a pastor, a young pastor, who just by his voice, by his conviction, captured my mind and my heart. And I thought to myself, Lord, is this who you want Wooddale? Is this who you want us to work with? And we've been forming a relationship. And I'm so happy to be able to introduce my dear friend, Jordan Nelson, to you this weekend. Well, Wooddale Church, as I said, I want to introduce you to a new friend who I dearly love and care about as we're getting to know each other. This is uh, Pastor Jordan Nelson. He's yeah. the pastor of Foundations Church in uh, North Minneapolis. And uh, Jordan, as I mentioned earlier, I was so moved and impressed when I heard you speak. I just saw such deep conviction in you and such sincere love for God. And I thought to myself, you know, here's somebody I can learn from because in, in many ways, I'm kind of like a student of yours as I'm trying to understand, you know, the whole issue of, of multicultural ministry, and how we break these barriers, you know, as believers, no matter what color our skin is. So I'm learning a ton from you as well. And I'm excited that you're helping us as a church uh, grow in this area too. And so our folks are just meeting you, but you've been kind of meeting our staff and, and others for a little bit of time now. And we'd like to know more about you. And I'd like to start by asking you the question, you know, how did you become a, how did you become a church planter? <laughs> you know, um, that's a really good question. Yeah. And I, I feel like, honestly, I wouldn't say a church planter, but I was just like a Jesus planter okay. from the moment I read the Bible. Um, so my conversion was when I was 19 years old. And I just happened to pick up the Bible and go to the book of Matthew. And I literally read the whole book of Matthew. And when I got to the end and they killed Jesus, I just knew there was some truth to this. I, I felt like the spirit of God over me and like tears just flooded down my face. And I was just like, why would they kill this guy? He didn't do anything wrong. He was helping people. He was healing people. He was this great guy. And I didn't understand the gospel fully, but I knew there was a truth here. And I legitimately got done with Matthew and started talking to everyone who was around me about this book I just read, yeah. <laughs> this guy, Jesus. Yeah. And they were all laughing at me yeah. because my mother is a Buddhist. Okay. So I didn't understand the wow. story of Jesus. And they were like, man, dude, you never heard this story before? And I'm like, I heard yeah. of Jesus, but I never like read the story or knew about it like this. They're like, yeah, like I grew up in church. Yeah, that's Jesus. And then I'm like, this is like amazing to me. And from that point on, I just knew I had to dig into the Bible and into everything that God had for me because I knew there was a truth yeah. there. In my whole life, I had been searching for truth and truth in God, and I had never found it until that moment. 
So just even church planting, I feel like that was really where I just started planting Jesus and sowing seeds. And then the years went on, um, met my wife. Um, Well, I already knew her, but me and my wife got married. Then after we got married, we started a homeless ministry and a street ministry. And we would go to like some of the roughest neighborhoods in Minneapolis and evangelize and spread the gospel. And like we would stop guys from shooting dice or from doing stuff that's happening. And we would just talk about Jesus with them or we would go to the homeless camps and do different things with them and feed them and, and spread the gospel to them. And I just knew like there's a calling here for us. And then um, over the course of the summer, you know, the Lord just laid it on my heart that it was time to plant a church and to start doing this on Sundays as well every week. And me and my wife prayed about it, um, got the confirmation, Then it was like, all right, let's go ahead and do it. So July 12th, we started in our garage. Awesome. And I love the name Foundations because it's such a powerful thing, right? Our our life's built on the foundation of who Jesus is. So tell me a little bit about, you know, as as this new church plant, what's, what's your vision for Foundations? You know, um, so we say that foundations is a church where the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. So, and we believe that's everybody. So we want foundations to be a place no matter what color you are, no matter how old you are, no matter what zip code you come from, no matter what gender you are, everybody has been broken and lost at one point. And for us, me and my wife especially, both of us, we understood that our brokenness and us being lost, we found a healing in Jesus. So because everybody's been at that point, or if you haven't, you'll get to that point at some time. We want you to know that there's a place in Jesus Christ you can go to where he's healing, he's saving, and there's this this love from God that you won't really feel anywhere else. Yeah, and what's exciting is you guys outgrew your garage, and (laughs) now you're running a building, and you're looking at where else God's going to take you. And I just love your heart, uh, Jordan. I love the fact that you're the real deal. You're focused on who Jesus is and getting people into the gospel and seeing their lives change. That's just really encouraged me a ton. I appreciate that. And I know you got, I also know you got plans that you and I have been talking about that we're not ready to talk more about yet. But I mean, you want to, you know, you want to provide some resources to North Minneapolis through the church, which is very exciting to me. So tell me a little bit about how you feel about this partnership, right, between us and and between our churches. Um, I think it's great. Um, I believe that I've been hanging out with a lot of the guys here at your church and a lot of the young guys. And just the things that we're learning and growing in together and we're learning from each other, it's been really awesome. And then I, I, I look at it like Foundations is a church where we say, hey, no matter what you look like, no matter what color you are, you're welcome. And I also understand that we're crossing barriers and we're building bridges and we're closing gaps um, in the church. I tell this to my congregation all the time. The church has experienced a lot of hardships and the church has made a lot of mistakes. But I read something by Timothy Keller in The Reason for God. And he said, for all of the issues and problems that people can say the church has caused, the church is also the only place that can fix those things. So it made me realize that's why God wants us to press forward and to push forward and to focus on Jesus. Because whether we've been wrong or we've been right, the answer is always in Jesus Christ. So together through partnerships, we all believe in Jesus. A friend of mine told me one time, she said, you know, the common ground we all have is Jesus. So let's start there. Yeah. So partnerships starting in Jesus will always be blessed by Amen. God. Amen. You know, there's a lot of spiritual warfare involved in this whole area. So asking all of you at Wooddale, please be praying for both our churches, foundations as well as Wooddale Church, uh, for Pastor uh, Jordan and for myself and our team, that, that we just become one in Christ is what he wants mm-hmm. us to be anyway. 
And there's so much more I wish we had time to share, but our, I know our folks are going to be meeting you over the next several months and getting to know what God's doing there and, and how God's using you here. And you've been a blessing to our campus pastors and the other pastors that you met with. So, Jordan, this is, uh, this is a two-way street between us. It's not, you know, it's not the white church coming into urban setting and dealing with their guilt, right? This is about yeah. how do we have a relationship moving forward that blesses us uh, for, you know, whatever blessing we can be to you guys. So, you know, I can see you, as, you know, in an unofficial way, I see you as being, you know, one of our pastors. And I just thank you for what you're doing, how you're sharing. I thank Bishop Howell, who introduced me uh, to you down uh, through Shiloh. So lots of good things going on. Amen. And that brings us to our, our segment of what is God doing here at Wooddale Church? You know, I've talked to you about the dangers of the progressive gospel and how so many of our students and our young adults are being deceived by an edited version of the Bible, an update on Jesus, and how they're leaving uh, high school and going to college and not coming back at all. So we've made an intentional move to hire an expert in this whole area of next-generation ministries. And uh, you're going to meet him in just a moment. I'm going to ask Pastor Kyle to introduce you to him. But he comes with a wealth of background. He's been a college professor, an author of books. He's actually uh, served here briefly as an interim and has a wealth of experience. I'm so excited for you to meet him because my heart is to make sure that all of our families at Wooddale Church, from birth until they're through college, that we have a cohesive ministry that you as a family can be assured that when your kids are part of Wooddale Church, they're not just an in individual programs, but they're having a seamless experience that equips them and prepares them to deal with the world that they're living in and helps you as parents, whether you're a single parent or not, it helps you as parents know how to talk to your kids, how to work through with them. So uh, I'm going to ask you now to meet this next special guest with me. Well, Wooddale, I am so excited now to be able to introduce a very special friend and the newest member of our staff. Kyle, would you introduce him for us? Absolutely, Dale. We're very excited to be welcoming Dr. Ken Caster yeah. to our team here at Wooddale Church. Uh, Ken has been a good friend of Wooddale for many years. He actually served in 2017 for uh, a season as our interim senior high pastor when we had a transition in that ministry and has just been a good friend to me and to our whole team and a great coach. He uh, spent uh, over a decade at Crown College and was a pastor of youth ministry, a prolific author, and uh, has started a number of uh, conferences and done some consulting around youth ministry and uh, children's ministry. And so, Ken, we're just excited to have you uh, have you on, on the team here at Wooddale Church. It is an incredible honor. I, I can't believe I'm sitting here with you both, and I'm very excited. Yeah, so, Dale, one of the reasons that uh, we're bringing Ken onto our team is we've noticed here at Wooddale, we have some incredible ministries to Next Gen. We have a great Wooddale Academy mm -hmm. that is this preschool that's just a, a blessing to many in the community. Uh, really strong children's programs uh, with WOW on, on Wednesdays and our Woods Kids and great student ministries. But one of the things that we've noticed about those programs is uh, they're, they're great individually, but sometimes they, they don't work aligned yet. Uh, and uh, that's normal in a church our size, but that's not, that's not enough for us. We want to be better at that. And we found that sometimes we can lose some of the kids in between those programs. Mm -hmm. And then especially when they go to college, uh, we're having a difficult time having them come back here to Wooddale Church. And so Ken's coming in to bring some alignment, some cohesion, and uh, really a comprehensive approach to what do we do with right. next-gen ministry? And really, Kyle, um, yeah. they're not going back to church at all. 
right? That's right. Because because of what is happening, what they're hearing out there. So we need to get the gospel stitched into their lives. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Ken, tell us a little bit about yeah. uh, kind of what your vision for Next Generation Ministry is. Well, I, I have loved investing in Next Generation and equipping students for 30 years. <laughs> and being a part of that process with Wooddale for the last 10 has been wonderful to think now that I, I have the opportunity to speak with families and grandparents and children and youth to to be able to partner with the team here is a wonderful opportunity there are excellent programs here and in fact maybe they've been so excellent that they haven't had to rely on each other the same way so so part of my role is coming in and and bringing an intentionality to the team and saying hey we've got to be collaborative we're going to work together and so parents can be confident when they bring they're, when they come with a newborn baby yeah. and they get involved with Wooddale, that they know that, that there, is a, there is a whole plan where this whole family, whatever age each individual is, is going to be able to be equipped and resourced and challenged and encouraged to have a life that's committed to Jesus yeah. for the long term. That's that's the overall goal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Ken, I, I love that goal, and that'll bring a lot of alignment here. Mm. But as you and I have been talking, what happens in the church and with our program is only part of the equation, right? right? Even if we had a kid that came in the nursery and they spent two two hours a week every week for eighteen years, that's I mean, that's like eighteen eighteen hundred hours, right? Of, yeah. of program ministry, and they that, wouldn't stay in the nursery for eighteen years. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. But that sounds like a lot of investment. But the reality is, the amount of time they spend with their families right. uh, has such a, a huge influence on yeah. on their ability to grow as disciples, and so you're looking at this not just from what happens within the walls of the church, but really how do we equip families to disciple their children? Yeah, that's a key. And that's actually what God has strategized already. So Deuteronomy 6 is one of the most important passages of Scripture. God is setting up his people for eternal impact, really, in in the world. And... uh, he said, he said this, you, you recognize this passage, right? This, this verse, greatest thing you're supposed to do, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Yeah. That's like number one command. And then in Deuteronomy 6, he says to everybody as they're like, well, yeah, of course, that's what we're gonna do. The next thing he wants them to do is to teach that to their kids, yeah. to, to raise up the next generation to know that. And, and the process of doing that is an all-in, all-encompassed lifestyle. So you do that when you get up. You do that when you lie down. You do that when you're around the table, when you're traveling along the road. You do that with everything you do with your hands, everything you think with your mind, say with your mouth, as a recent sermon of yours spoke about. Uh, Everything that a person is doing, parents, grandparents, the community, is intentionally geared so that the next generation will follow the Lord. That's, that's the theme of scripture. It's the highest calling of God's people is to raise up the next generation to know him. So, so I love the opportunity to be able to come in and, and, and keep reminding all of us of that because it's easily forgotten in the day-to-day and in, in the panic of the scenarios of our situations and, and pandemics and disruptions. And when you, when you have a student that is going through puberty, everything gets disrupted and you can forget the call but God has designed young people to follow him for the 
rest of their lives and into eternity. And parents and grandparents and the whole community at Wooddale has the opportunity to invest in that. So... And Ken, we're just thrilled that you're here and yeah. uh, going to be providing some leadership. Give uh, our congregation here just a little glimpse into what they can expect over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think I think everything that's been happening that's been wonderful at Wooddale, I, I expect that to be encouraged and enhanced in many ways. So our, I'm going to be a champion for our staff, our next-gen staff, for the academy, for all of our programming. I'll be a champion for that. But I also want to see uh, parents equipped and families equipped and grandparents have a, a vision for how they can be disciplers Absolutely. of their grandkids. So anything I can do to to take everything that Wooddale does with excellence and I get to be an advocate for next gen and family ministry in the middle of that so um, I I think I'm going to have some kind of a coffee budget and I would I would love to meet with grandparents and and people who are interested in becoming mentors for the next generation and and I think that we're also going to be encouraging students to take high risk opportunities to serve the Lord. And we as a church are going to be supporting them and rallying behind them because they, they know this world better than the rest of us do in many ways. They're living in the middle of it and we want them to be rooted in Jesus, standing tall in him in the middle of the blowing winds of culture and to be overflowing with a radical abundance of who uh, of what God is doing in them and who Jesus is. So I, I think that's what we can expect because that's what God has actually asked churches to do. So I'm glad to be a part of that with you. Absolutely. And and that is a vision that is worth getting behind. And Dale, we're excited for all that God is going to be doing here at Wooddale Church when it comes to our next generation. So there you have it, Wooddale Church. We're not going to sit on our hands in 2021. We're going to keep moving forward. And now you're seeing how we're going to be even more intentional with that from here to near to far. You know, I wish I could alert every cell phone of every follower of Christ on earth that there is this huge, terrible tragedy taking place in this world, and we need you to come. Help us find those who are lost so they know they're found and they know they're rescued. You and I, we are God's rescuers. Let's be all that and more in 2021 and beyond. I'll see you next weekend as we start our brand new series, What in the World is Going On? Trust God he'll give us some answers. And have a great week.